I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... We bring a friend to the episode of NXT <laughs> that originally aired on November 6th, 2014. Because we're friends, Bob. Do you get it? We each brought a friend. We did! Yes. In this episode, Sami Zayn goes to Cuteville and finds a championship match on the other side. Aww. And Finn fucking Balor is here. Boy, is he. <laughs> Welcome to episode 77 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, holy shit, we had Troy McLean on the show and it was awesome. Yeah, that was one of the greatest things that's ever happened. <laughs> Such a good time. If you haven't already heard episode 76, go do that right now. This episode, some interesting stuff to talk about, but I think the big story is that there is a beautiful Irish man... Oh. who is now in our lives and will be for quite some time. So achingly beautiful, it is upsetting. Uh, we're going to talk about him and other things, but, you know, a lot of him, I think, in Bob's breakdown, probably more about him in the sights, sounds, and feels of pro <laughs> wrestling. And who knows, we might also talk about him when we hand out the Bullrance Olivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit we will then hear Bob's fanfic. It's a wrestling history fanfic, so that should be fun. Thanks, Miles. You're welcome. <laughs> and then get into a brand new edition of Wrestling Term of the Week before finishing things off with the Cheap Pop Quiz. And there are no Cheap Pop Quiz answers to go over from last time, because last time we had a guest on. Which means, Bob? Yes. Let's jump right in to Bob's Breakdown. Our commentary team for this episode is not great. No, no, it's not. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it too much, I hope. But it's Rich Brennan, Alex Riley, and Jason Albert. And regrettable things are said and we have to live with them. So there you go. Indeed. So we start with a retrospective on our point of view character. Sami Zayn is never going to be NXT champion. Ooh. Neville knows he can't win the big one. Tyson knows he can't hack it. Tyler Breeze knows he doesn't have what it takes. Dun, dun, dun. And Tyler Breeze is who he's facing tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Miles, is this package style kind of specific to NXT or is this just all of televised wrestling? Because I don't see these kinds of retrospective looks back at... This is a thing. This is a storyline on like NXT UK or AEW. But look, I want to make it very clear. I could have been looking at my phone because this is the only <laughs> show I watch with any level of seriousness. 
Definitely at, like, pay-per-views and stuff, they often have, like, video packages. I mean... Oh, yeah. WWE is the king of the video package, right? Like, WWE's video package game is so good and has been for so long. It is extremely good. You know what? Honestly... Sometimes I'm like, can you just show the package? (laughs) Yeah. I kind of don't really care about anything else. I just want to watch Miles. I'm a person who loves movie trailers sometimes more than movies. (laughs) I don't blame you for that. Sometimes they're better. They are. Like a lot of like my strongest memories of first getting into wrestling, like directly involve video packages and the music that was playing and the clips they chose. Like, it's really weird. I don't know what AEW's relationship to video packages is because I don't watch them enough to really Uh know that. But yeah, I think that it's a pretty standard thing. I feel like usually when you watch a wrestle and especially if it's like kind of a big match or if they're doing a big storyline, you'll get that. But also like. On weekly wrestling television, and again, don't know if AEW does this or not. I don't think they do. But on weekly wrestling television, it's not uncommon to have like a little, you know, kind of like when you're watching TV show and it's like previously on what the fuck. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like that. If, if like the main storyline, right? They'll sometimes like do a little intro in the show to be like, this is what you need to know is happening with our big thing. And that's what we're doing. You know, and now that I'm remembering AEW's preference is like, what if we did some loosely based improv for a few minutes and <laughs> just did that instead? <laughs> that's a different choice. And as somebody who was in community theater and stuff, part of me respects that. So there you go. It's a valid choice. It is. I am not sorry they do it, but I do love a slick package. It's so good. Yeah. I think there's an aesthetic, not to harp on this, but I think I do think there's like an aesthetic difference that AEW oh, yeah. is going for, where WWE is very slick and very polished in their presentation. And I think a lot of competitors to WWE have felt the need or the desire to be less of that. Boy, we watched Impact and that was very apparent. <laughs> also, in the case of Impact, sometimes you just don't have the money. Yeah, yeah. All right. Match one. Speak of the devil. It's handsome devil, Tyler Breeze. Mm. The pants are key lime pie green. And not everyone can pull that off. I think he does it, though. I think he does, too. So he's up against Sami Zayn for the match that the package just promised us. We get technical wrestles. The credibility is through the roof. It's spilled on the floor. This credibility (laughs) is slathered on the walls. The point is that the quote unquote feeling out. It's all very good. It's feeling out. Sami Zayn is involved is always going to be good. Tyler Breeze takes control of the match and grounds the most beautiful, the most goodest of boys. And also Breeze's hair has come down and hot news. He sort of has bangs. I didn't Mm. realize that. I don't love that, but I understand sometimes your hair's grown out and it's a little kind of complicated. So Breeze leaps through the ropes to sit on them like a little rascal, except that he's holding Zane's head and slams it into the turnbuckle. Miles, turnbuckle! Turnbuckle! It's been a while. It has been a while. So if you were concerned that there wouldn't be more rest holds, let me fucking assure you, you get to have some <laughs> additional rest holds. But when Sami Zayn catches breath, he barrels into Breeze multiple times and then Street Fighter kicks the fuck out of him. Crucially, Tyler Breeze counters the blue thunderbomb. Mm-hmm. This is a signature move. Tyler Breeze knows he's wise 
to the ways of the doggo boy. And you know how fucking wise he is? Sammy fucking Zane goes for his big flying crossbody that he loves, that we all love. Yeah. And Breeze kicks him out of the fucking sky because Breeze is good at the wrestles. I will say the amount of countering that goes on in this match is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Zane is in the corner looking rough before he gets rushed by Breeze. Zane does that thing. You kick out your legs. You're like, no, don't smoosh me. Breeze catches it and throws it down like, no, I am going to smoosh you, though. <laughs> Zane steps into Breeze, grabs him, and then does the exploder suplex into the turnbuckles. Breeze bounces off them. It's very ugly. Mm -hmm. Zane follows it up with the haluva kick and pins Tyler Breeze for the win. This, Miles, I remember because they said it on commentary. That's how I remembered. Okay. This is also how I beat Titus O'Neil. So, okay. This means something (laughs) i don't know what it means but it means something because if you win the same way twice it's saying a thing but i don't know what it's saying so put a pin in that i guess i guess it's not fuck okay look it's his finishing move the luva kick is his finishing move he wins most matches with it yeah but not like that exact thing okay fine fine you know what it's nothing i don't know i don't only 77 episodes no it's fine he does do the exploder immediately before doing the luva kick which is what he did to titus yes i feel like we've seen the exploder used to set up the luva kick before i don't remember exactly if it's significant it's significant in that you might see those two moves go together more often in the future. Oh. If they're making a big deal about it, I honestly don't remember whether or not this actually happens, but if they're making a big deal about it on commentary, it might actually be a thing where it's like, okay, that's going to be the end sequence a lot of the time is Exploder Haluva Kick. See, my prediction is that they're making a big deal of it because he's going to later on try to do that combination and something's going to be countered or somebody's going to kick out of it. And then everybody's going to go, what's he going to do now? Because he already did the thing. And that's the benefit of being consistent with it and building it into what your idea of a typical Sami Zayn match is, because Mm -hmm. then you can subvert it and then you can play with it. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Backstage, it is Renee! It's Renee Young! Oh, I'm so happy. Very nice to see her. I know. God, it's always nice to see her. Adrian Neville is here to say, yep, I am prepared to let someone else try to take this one belt of power from me, and I am glad that it's Sami Zayn. He's not going to win, but you know what? I'm still glad it's Sami Zayn. And Renee's face is like, oh, that's that's me, Neville. <laughs> he's being so shitty in such a nice way. I know. He's gorgeous. I love it. Match two, Dash Wilder. Yeah. He is a little beardy chunk and he's got an entrance and everything. He's up against Tyson Kidd. I need you to know that this match, it's kind of a solid, nice match. I liked it. Yeah. It did all the things you needed to do. Kid dominated. There was a comeback, but Dash Wilder did do a power slam on Kid that comes out of nowhere. It was very snappy. They said scoop power slam, which I don't know. Is that what Dustin Rhodes does? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just like a power slam that's like, I grabbed you. Now you're on the mat. The end. I think that's what Dustin Rhodes does. It's fun. 
Yeah. Kid kicks Wilder in the face. And then while he's down, he locks in the sharpshooter for the win. And then the camera is on Kid's face and he's looking so fucking proud of himself. I know. Just, (laughs) I am the king shit. And you're like, you beat this guy who just got an entrance for the first time. Okay, fine. Fair enough. He really, really treats it like he just won a title. It's hilarious. I love it so much. I mean, it is like the, you know, sort of a more competitive squash match than we usually see. Yeah. And I think that's probably because, like, Dash is bigger and Tyson is smaller. So even though Tyson is supposed to be the one squashing Dash, he has to do it in, like, a little bit of a different way, right? Especially because he's a heel. So... Okay. And you know who that is, right, Bob? Dash Wilder. Yes, I do. Okay, I'm just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah, he's adorable. I didn't think I would like FTR, but I kind of do like FTR now. (laughs) Also, their theme song sounds like an 80s arcade, and it's great. Oh, their theme song in uh, in NXT when they finally get together is, uh, is a whole thing. I love it so much. Ooh. All right. So, backstage... Community theater. Marcus Louis is alone, filmed from behind. What the fuck is this? Yep, with his shadow cast upon a red velvet curtain. (laughs) A white hand towel drapes over his head. In a breathy and deranged voice, he wails. Yeah. Moans. Pants. He somethings. That people won't stop making fun of him. And given the way he's breathing, it's very unclear if that's a plus or a minus in his book. (laughs) But uh, let us assume that NXT is not ready to explore that territory Mm. yet. And Mm -hmm. that we're saying this is a bad thing. Yes. Also backstage. Renee Young and Sami Zayn are reunited (laughs) <laughs> it's so beautiful. And Sammy Zane, Sammy motherfucking Zane. Sammy, I am the cutest in the world, Zane, makes a Count of Monte Cristo reference. He was already my favorite, but he just made a Count of Monte Cristo reference, so now he's even more my favorite? Yeah, I know, which I haven't fucking read any Dumas. I know nothing of this, but nonetheless. I haven't read it, but there's a really good movie with Guy Pierce. Oh, okay. All right. I think Jim Caviezel is in it and like the dude who played the first Dumbledore. So it's like really, it's like a 2003 Count of Monte Cristo movie. It's really fucking good. (laughs) Okay. So makes that reference and says basically like, I feel like Edmund Dantes. I don't know if that's how you say it. I took Spanish. I passed the AP exam. So fuck off. Dantes. Yeah. The point is Sami Zayn is here to take out everyone who ever wronged him. So yes, the road to redemption, but I'm like, also the road to revenge a little bit, buddy. A little bit. A little bit. I'm going to take everyone down who ever fucked me over. And you're like, redemption? Is that what that is? But okay. I'm listening to him. I'm going like, Sammy, buddy. Like, the whole point of the book was that he was kind of a monster for doing that. But that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Well, Renee looks kind of into it nonetheless, so it's like, (laughs) all right, that's fine. Now, women's action. Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch are going to take on the now friends again, Charlotte and Bailey, which I'm glad they're friends again. But given the way it ended last time, I am never going to watch Charlotte and Bailey together and go like, I feel no flinch of terror. I mean, it all goes fine, but, you know, I'm just like, but I know you're a flair. How can I? It's not safe to love you. (laughs) That's a great way to talk about the flares. It's not safe to love you in more ways than one. Oh, boy. 
Charlotte and Bailey make the baddies look like chumps, which is saying a lot because Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch are fucking incredible. A special shout out to Sasha Banks, who does a running terrified from Charlotte to tag in Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch is forced to hang around and endure the ire of Charlotte. Charlotte also gets out of the ring to try and chase Sasha Banks around the outside and it doesn't work. So Charlotte's like, all right, fine. I'm going to go back to destroying your little buddy. Yeah. Sasha makes an opportunistic hair grab like a sibling in the backseat on a long car trip. It's very fitting that the referee doesn't see it because that's how it always is in the back of the car. What happens in the back of the car fucking stays in the back of the car. (laughs) Eventually, the tables are turned and now Bailey is suffering at the hands of Sasha. And let it be noted that Sasha Banks does not want to be in the ring until it is convenient to her dominating everything. Otherwise, she's like, no. So big person on the group project who just changes the font on the PowerPoint and then adds their name to the title page energy. Oh, that's very good. I cannot say I don't respect it. I don't like it, but I fucking respect the balls of somebody to go, no, this is my contribution. (laughs) You're like, wow. Yeah, I can see that. Fuck you. But also a part of me admires the moxie. So... (laughs) Charlotte is on the outside looking rabid for a chance to do murders, and it takes the combined efforts of Becky and Sasha to get Charlotte off the apron, and it does look ugly whenever she falls off the apron, Mm -hmm. but the distraction is an opportunity for a butt-to-butt sandwich by Bailey. (laughs) Sasha fucking reverses the butt sandwich. Sasha rolls it so that her butt is in the superior butt position. (laughs) And then she also grabs the tights during this pin, thus ensuring that Team Baddies takes the three count. Gasp. Yep. Backstage. Uh, It's Daddy. (laughs) How fucking dare he? How, How... extraordinarily dare he just look so effortlessly handsome at literally every (laughs) second of the day. I get that it's TV and that's his literal job, but also how I'm trying to have a job and a life here. (laughs) You're coming in here, giving that smile. I have things to do today, sir. Oh, by the time this comes out, he'll have his podcast. And I don't know if either myself or Bob will sexually survive the experience. (laughs) This is going to be a real fucking watershed moment for us. (laughs) So Renee is the lucky person who gets to be in the room with him and ask him if Sami Zayn is indeed going to be like for serious number one contender. And is he going to get that title match with Neville? So Regal, possibly because they had time to kill. Who knows why? Yeah. Does some thinking out loud before going like, you know what? Yeah, that is a good idea. (laughs) Just like, well, okay, fine. Renee says, thank you. Regal says, no, thank you. And then does that fucking smile that says, give me 15 minutes in a coat closet and I'll thank you properly. (laughs) Because that is the only way William Regal knows how to smile. (sighs) It's I know. We're just going to sit here seething with lust. We might not sexually survive this podcast, like (laughs) considering what's coming. Oh, Jesus. All right. So main event, that one tag team match we've been hearing about off and on. Lady Whistledown's match report. Hmm. 
The Transylvanian diplomats have been feeling aggrieved of late at the attentions Mr. Atami has received amongst the ton. Well, a duel has been requested, and while it is clear who will be fighting for the honor of Transylvania, we have been left in suspense about who Mr. Atami might name as his second. Our concerns are addressed in the form of a very lithe and comely man by the name of Finn Balor, with thighs that made his breeches look like they had been painted on. <laughs> Mr. Atami and Mr. Balor square off in offering kick after kick to the faces of Mr. Connor and Victor. Mr. Balor even executes a bicycle kick before claiming victory by flying from the top to kick Mr. Connor squarely in the head with both feet. Perhaps a minor duel, nothing to speak of. But one look at Mr. Balor promises that in our social circle, there will soon be a great deal more to report. Not least if the marriage-minded mamas of the town have anything to say about it. <laughs> and may I just say... Ten guineas to anyone that can do an etching of Mr. Balor that does the cut of those very tight breeches justice. <laughs> Thank you, Lady Whistletown. <laughs> Valuable commentary, as always. I guess, like, technically this wasn't a match, so it wasn't really the... I guess it was, it was the main event of the show, but it wasn't a match. Yeah. And that's what happened in this episode. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you very much for that breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode overall? You know what? I like the backstage shit more than anything else for the most part. It was pretty great. I mean, look, the Breeze and Zane match might be a forgotten gem. It was mm -hmm. pretty good. It was very good. It wasn't. You know, one of that early Neville Zane. That was extraordinary, but right. it was very fucking good. And then the Wilder kid thing was solid and the women's match was solid. Like there was lots of solid stuff, but nothing that had me going, oh, my God, I cannot believe it, except for fucking William Regal smiling. So there you go. <laughs> OK. <laughs> well, I have a suspicion. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit more about William Regal in a minute here, Bob. Oh, Jesus. I don't know if I can fucking handle it, but okay. Because it's time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see besides Finn Balor's bulge? I, I was going to say, originally, that, that's all I was going to talk about. But Tyler Breeze had a wardrobe malfunction. And I felt so fucking bad for him. Oh, God, I missed it. What did what happened? Not a big one. Not a big one. It was just that, you know, he's got his little weird leg warmers that yeah. are, you know, chamois. One of them, like, was kind of falling down. And so, like, he was having to be very careful to not trip over it. And it was, like, sagging down around his boot. And he kept having to, like, work around it because he oh, didn't yeah. stop to oh, yeah. address it. Which, okay, this is a thing they tell you in theater, which I can't believe they didn't fucking talk about this in wrestling. But if a fucking thing happens on stage that is inconvenient to whatever is going on, 
you have to address it. You cannot just go, that's not happening and we're not engaging with it. If you have a wardrobe malfunction, you just have to deal with it in character and do that. And I do not believe for a second that actual Tyler Breeze would let that happen. So it's like, it's almost a character bummer to not take the moment and go like, no, no, we are stopping the match because I need to deal with my fucking leg warmer. This is a fashion crisis, Zane. Yeah, it would have been like a good thing to do, a good character building thing to do. I'm I agree with that. I think because most of the time in wrestling, they do do that. Like that does. That is a thing. Yeah. That happens in wrestling all the time. So it is a little bit disappointing that Breeze didn't do it. But I get it. Sometimes you just go, ah, my costume is fucking up. Oh, no. Right. Miles, what did your elf eyes see? Well, I was planning on you talking about Finn Balor's dick. Oh, really? Well, I mean, it's a good dick. Well, I mean, I guess there isn't much to say about it. It's just like it's a really good dick, right? Yeah. And it's very like it's like right there and out there. I happen to know multiple people who are largely identify as into AFABs who are like, but I'm into AFABs and also Finn Balor. (laughs) I think that's a common sexuality. Yeah, I think there is always like a little asterisk by that. And then underneath it just says Finn Balor. It's extraordinarily powerful. On a slightly related note, what my elf eyes actually saw was the pinfall in the Breeze Zane match. Because I don't know if you noticed this, Bob, but it was very awkward. It was very fucky, and I did think about talking about it, but I did not. But it was an extraordinarily fucky pin, and I was very happy. I don't really know what happened. I'm assuming that Breeze, like, didn't get his legs a certain way or something because usually when like you go to pin the guy you shoot the half like you go like perpendicular your body across his body you like hit the <laughs> leg you do the stuff right like Zane <laughs> Zane like I don't even know how to describe it he was full it's generally described as mounting miles <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's true. Zayn mounts Breeze. Like, they're facing each other, like, in a missionary position. And Zayn is, like, lying all the way on top of him. And he kind of shimmies his legs up. And he gets his, I think he gets his arms, like, under each of Breeze's legs. Like, he's really trying to get access to those balls. Yeah. And then he, like, drapes his head (laughs) on top of Breeze's chest and shoulders. (laughs) It's just the weirdest thing. It's very special. But also the hottest thing. Yeah, no. Oh, no. It's extremely. If this had been a beat in a pornographic masterpiece, somebody would have been very proud of themselves for that choreography. Absolutely. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Adrian Neville's Sami Zayn can't win the big one. And then his sarcastic. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. (laughs) It was so like. Well, well, that's how it is with you, ain't it? And it's like such a subtle burn, but I loved it because it's Adrian Neville and I fucking love Adrian Neville. He's so perfect. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? I had a lot of stuff from commentary written down, but you know what? I'm not good. I'm not going to do it. Good. Thank you. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to talk about it. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Commentary was bad and occasionally sexist, and it was just not great. So instead, Bob, we're going to talk about William Regal. Yep. And the fact that during that conversation backstage with Renee. Yep. 
What did daddy do? He was listing off like all of Sammy's opponents that he's beaten over the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. He had Tyson and Titus and Tyler. And he's like, oh, that's a lot of teas, isn't it? <laughs> and he looks at Renee. He's like, you know, I like a spot of tea, don't I? <gasps> and I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know what that means. I don't know what sexual act he is like talking about without talking about it. But there definitely was one because, oh, my God. Yeah. Daddy's very powerful like that. That is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh. yeah. <sighs> anyway, Megan Bob, what did your human heart feel? I mean, OK, look, a big part of me. <laughs> A very specific part of me <laughs> felt William Regal, but yes, no, a more important part of me felt Sami Zayn and Renee Young being reunited. That yeah, that was pretty good. I squealed. I did heart eyes. I turned to my spouse on the couch and did enormous heart eyes of like, oh, it's beautiful. It's happening. They're in the same room. I love it. So. I squeed much louder for that. Fair enough. Miles, what did your human heart feel? Well, shocking no one, my human heart felt something about women's wrestling. Yeah. Just a couple things about this women's wrestling match that we, this tag team match that we were treated to. Mm-hmm. First of all, Sasha is just, she's amazing. And I'm yeah. not just saying that because I fully support her decision recently. To tell Vince McMahon to go fuck himself along with her tag team partner. This is in real life, not in 2014, like in, in the current wrestling. Yes. To leave their women's tag team championships, which Vince doesn't care about, never has, on his desk and bail. Yeah. Super into it. So not only just like her in general, I love Sasha Banks so much. In this match, one of the interesting things about this match is that this match was set up by a thing with... Bailey and Sasha because like Sasha was attacking Bailey and then they had a match and Becky turned on Bailey after that match and Charlotte just wasn't around the only reason Charlotte's here is because Bailey was backstage going like I'm gonna bring a friend too I'm gonna bring Charlotte and we're all like all right cool I guess Charlotte's here Charlotte comes into this whole thing and makes it immediately about her yeah because all of a sudden, it's like Charlotte wants to beat the shit out of Sasha Banks. And why wouldn't she? Like, they're old friends slash slash frenemies. Like, of course she wants to beat the shit out of Sasha Banks. Not yeah. only are they not together as a team anymore, but like Sasha's been the one who's like hurting her friend, right? In, yeah. in the form of Bailey. So like, but Sasha's like, nope, not getting in the ring while you're in the ring. <laughs> And, like, she's waiting for Becky to, like, take control of the match so she can tag in. But Becky never does because it's Charlotte and she's, like, god mode by this point. So Charlotte, like, is crafty. She's never outright cheats in this match, but she does a lot of crafty shit, which I love in a heel. Mm. Reaches out, like, grabs Charlotte's hair from behind, slams her down, immediately tags in Becky and, like, mounts Charlotte and begins punching her, right? And then yes. Charlotte, like, throws her off. Yeah. And then Sasha's like, shit, attacks and back in again. <laughs> and they never square off again for the rest of the match, her and Charlotte. And it's just so well done. I love her heel work with every bone in my body. And also, I'm, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I am pretty sure this is the very first instance on television of the four horsewomen all being in the same ring at the same time. Fuck yeah. So all the feelings about that. 
Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling at this time, Meg and Bob. It is time to take a look at all the beautiful performers that we've witnessed on this episode. Yeah. Look at each one of them in turn very closely, maybe with one of those like little assessor eyepiece thingies that jewelers have. Mm. I mean, Finn Balor's abs deserve it, but yeah. Yes, his abs. Jesus Christ. And decide which of them is going to win the coveted Bullrince Olivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit. Megan Bob, who is getting your Lawrence Bolivier Award for this episode? My Lawrence Olivier Award is going to Sasha Banks for that astonishing heel work that you were talking about. The ah, fact that yes. she just flings herself away from Charlotte at every opportunity and goes, oh, God, no, anything but this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that she is wrestling with a character and it is beautiful and I love it. And I didn't think I would say this, but like. She's so mean and it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Miles, who's getting your Lawrence Bolivier Award? When you gave yours to Sasha, I was like, ah, oh, crap, you're right. Nah. <laughs> like, that's the objectively right answer. But since I've already, like, sort of talked a lot about Sasha in the fuel section, I'm going to give my Boren's Olivier Award to someone else. Oh, yes? I'm going to give mine to Tyler Breeze. Yeah. Specifically because Tyler Breeze is booked into this match and we're supposed to kind of buy that he's this big barrier to Sammy in the road to redemption, right? Yeah. And it's not the easiest sell in the world because like... No. Sammy, since he came in, he's been the protagonist of the show. We've talked about it. We know that Breeze isn't on his level like as a wrestler exactly, even though they had that really great match at TakeOver. With Tyson, it's like he's crafty. He's a former main roster guy. With Titus, he's a current main roster guy. And he's really big. It's way easier, I think, to see those two as like these big barriers that Sammy has to overcome. With Tyler, it's a little bit more of a reach and they keep leaning on like, oh, Sami Zayn's never beaten him. Tyler's 2-0 against him. And it's like, eh. Mm. Saying you've never beaten a guy when they only wrestle twice is kind of weak. But I love what Tyler does at the beginning of this match, where, first of all, the way it's booked, where he almost gets a couple of quick roll-ups on Sami Zayn. And when he does it, he, like, does the thing where he, like, pinches his fingers together like, I was that close. And he's got this look on his face. He's got this look on his face, this, like, grin. And it really, in, like, an instant, it really sold me on Tyler Breeze being a next level up villain that Sammy has to overcome. Yeah. Another thing that didn't help it, you know, obviously being in the the opening match spot as opposed to the main event. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sammy can't main event every show. And yeah, it's ba true. Balor's debut is a pretty big deal, so I understand it. But yeah, I just really appreciated Tyler Breeze in that match. He really made me buy it, and I didn't think I was going to. I agree with this. I think that is fair. All right. It's just about time for Wrestling Term of the Week, but first, for the last <laughs> 60 episodes or whatever, I have been occasionally asking Bob to make a fanfic out of some women's wrestling history. Bob is doing that now for the last time. The Wrestling History of the Week from episode 75 related to Impact Wrestling and the history of their women's division. Bob, very curious what you came up with for this. All right, this is, it's like thematic, if you will. I just, fucking go with me on this, okay? okay? I'm with you. 
Adora held aloft the gleaming championship of protection alongside Perfuma and Scorpia, holding the Ethereum World Tag Team Championships. They'd done it. They'd gotten what they had worked so long and so hard to get. It had only taken... Well, it had taken a lot. Catra is screaming louder than anyone in the crowd going, That's my girlfriend! That is my girlfriend! And she could <laughs> kick your ass! <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? It had been an ugly journey to get here. The fight against the Horde, the fight against Hordak in particular... Then the infighting amongst themselves and the fight against Horde Prime. And through it all, there had been incredible women who had joined the fight, even led the fight when Adora wasn't sure how to. Glimmer, Mermista, Perfuma, Frosta, Entrapta, Scorpia, even Catra. It had taken so much. And Adora wasn't even the first She-Ra. It wasn't even like Adora had strolled up to the Belt of Protection and fixed it all herself, or even in one try. It was a legacy of trying to fix Etheria. Fix it in the face of the Horde, who thought fixing Etheria meant destroying it. It had finally, finally paid off. Adora! Etheria to Adora! Bo said. You look like you're thinking too hard, Adora. Come on, enjoy the moment. I am. It's just... It's a lot. There were a lot of times when I, I really thought... I wasn't sure. Adora trailed off. Hey, no, it's okay, Adora. You did it. Adora shook her head firmly. No, I didn't do it. The princesses of power did it. We all did it. She-ra, 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 the crowd started chanting. Bo smiled brightly at her. Okay, we all did it, but I, I think they still want you to be the one to do the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, of course. I, I could do that. For the honor of Grayskull! Catra climbed into the ring beside Adora. She is tall and she is all mine. You hear me? <laughs> all mine. They know I'm your girlfriend, Catra, Adora said, putting a hand on Catra's back. I know, Catra grinned, turning to Adora. I'm just rubbing it in their faces how lucky I am. <laughs> and how they are losers who don't have a tall sword lesbian for a girlfriend. <laughs> you know what? I didn't ask anybody for anything with this particular fic because the wrestling histories always require me to just kind of go afield. But I want to say, <laughs> yeah, if this fic goes out to anyone, it goes out to Claire Mulcairn. <laughs> yes, very much so. So, like, the Horde was Vince, like, was WWE in that analogy, I'm guessing? Yeah, I think so, and kind of like Hulk Hogan and everybody else, just this yeah. onslaught of people who kept trying to fuck everything up, and then these women just going like, we're just gonna nope. keep being here and keep doing the thing until you fuck off. I loved it. Thank you so much for that fanfic, Bob. That was beautiful. Thank you. I really have to finish that show sometime. <laughs> It's a very fun show. We were like four episodes away from the end and we stopped for some reason. Oh, Jesus. Well, it is now time for the wrestling term of the week. And the wrestling term of the week this week is blading. Oh, shit. Blading is when a wrestler deliberately and usually surreptitiously, though sometimes not, and it's hilarious, cuts their own forehead open with a razor blade. Ah. 
often hidden in their wrist tape or slipped to them by the referee to create the illusion that they have started bleeding as a result of being hit with an offensive move by their opponent. Now, this is something we're not really going to be dealing with in NXT at all. While it was a staple of professional wrestling for decades, it's used less often these days, particularly since WWE banned the practice in 2008 when their product went PG. As a result, the only time you ever see blood in NXT is when it's accidental. Since one member of the NXT roster will be getting some color on the next episode, I thought it was a good time to go over the numerous blood-related terms in professional wrestling. Uh, By the way, getting some color is a colloquial wrestling term for bleeding during a match, along with gigging, juicing, and of course, blading, which also Mm. comes with the infinitive to blade and the noun blade job. No. I believe getting color is the older term Mm. because wrestlers didn't always use razor blades to create the illusion of blood drenched violence. What they used to do was, quote, bust an eyebrow open, which involved one wrestler precisely and forcefully striking the area above their opponent's eyebrow bone with a punch, thus drawing blood. Oh, God. Yeah, blading sounds slightly safer than that. Yeah. Now, while this is a largely forgotten art, you will frequently hear fans and commentators refer to a bleeding wrestler as having been, quote, busted open. Mm, yes. As opposed to busting an eyebrow open, blading usually involves the forehead because the forehead contains so many blood vessels. You can always tell when an old school wrestler has made a living doing blade jobs because their foreheads will just be a mass of like tiny scars. Oh, wow. When done properly, the blood from the forehead mixes with the wrestler's sweat to drip down over the wrestler's face, creating what's called the crimson mask, Mm. a term that is synonymous with some of the most iconic moments in wrestling history. The idea is that by combining the blood and the sweat, which is why wrestlers usually wait until later in the match to do a blade job, by the way, Mm. it will look like the wrestler is bleeding far more than they actually are. And if the cut is shallow enough, like it's supposed to be, the blood vessels will close relatively shortly and there will be no risk of massive blood loss. Botch a blade job, though. (gasps) And there's a danger you could hit a vein and end up with, quote, a gusher. That's what they call it. And if you have too big of a gusher, you might rank pretty highly on the Muta scale. Now, this is a reference to a wrestler named the Great Muta. Okay. A Japanese wrestler who lost so much blood in a match with Hiroshi Hase in 1992 that it became the standard against which all future blade jobs were measured. Oh my god. There have been some pretty bad ones over the years that I very much do not recommend googling. Do not do it. No, I'm not gonna. Don't do it. It's bad. (laughs) Okay, I I won't. I won't. I promise. I really don't want to see it. This, plus the rise in awareness of blood transfer diseases like AIDS and hepatitis, contributed to the decline of blading, although, of course, the practice is alive and well in all elite wrestling, (laughs) whose very first pay-per-view, the original Double or Nothing in 2019, featured a botched blade job and a gusher from Dustin Rhodes. Yep. However, blading remains banned in WWE to this day, which is why the only blood you'll ever see on WWE or NXT programming occurs when a wrestler gets color, quote, the hard way. This is what it sounds like when the bleeding is accidental 
rather than intentional. And that is mm. what we'll see on the next episode. Now, in this case, it's not that bad and the people involved are basically able to ignore it. But when it does happen in WWE, you'll often see the cameras like shy away from it. The referee will put on gloves mm. in case like he needs to deal with it. Occasionally, the entire match will come to a halt as the ref and or other staff members like attempt to stop the bleeding before they keep going. Does it break the immersion of the wrestling match? Yes, I suppose it does. Speaking personally, with my well-documented views on hardcore wrestling, I will happily shatter that immersion as many times as necessary to try and ensure at least the bare minimum of responsibility for the health of athletes who are already engaging in an inherently dangerous form of entertainment. Mm, mm. All right, that's fair. That's just me. But otherwise, then you can't have daddy smearing blood on his naughty children who are so bad. <laughs> Look, I get it. There's good things about blood and wrestling. Blood yeah. and wrestling does a really like it's really effective. I understand why people do it. I really do. I get it. Just don't want it all the time, which I get. I get. I get. I don't need to see Matt Hardy almost die regularly. I don't want it ever, but I understand that I'm weird that way. Like, I'd be perfectly fine with, like, never seeing blood and wrestling again. Oh, wow. If it never happened again, I'd be fine with it. Like, unless it happened accidentally, obviously. Oh, shit. No, I, I apparently I'm a bit more of a barbarian than I realized. That's I was like, fine. No, I, I need some blood. Look, it's an extreme position. I have cheered for blood and wrestling before. I will cheer for blood and wrestling again. There's a lot of things about it that are legitimately great and like add to the whole thing of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. I just have a hard time these days as an older person who's watched wrestling for a long time. It's hard for me to sort of get immersed in that as much as I used to. I when can I'm get that. Th spending the whole time thinking about the people as individuals and like the fact that they don't have health care or a union. Ah, that is the ethical position to take. Anyway, you're like a wrestling vegetarian. I'm probably a wrestling vegan. Like, <laughs> I'm probably one of those fucking one of those really annoying vegans who like is really on their shit about it and won't <laughs> stop telling everybody else about how they're vegan. Oh, Miles doesn't eat wrestling, honey. <laughs> well, that was the wrestling term of the week. And in two episodes, Bob will be back with a fanfic explaining blading. On the next episode, we're having yet another guest. So and it's, a, it's a good one. It's such a special guest. We're very excited to have this very special beloved guest on our program. Yeah. That's about the end of our show, Bob. But of course, gotta close things out with the cheap pop quiz. Oh, so I can get skunked again? Great. Hit me. Yep. Yep. Just so you can get skunked again. Exactly. Bob still rolling with a single point here in this round of quizzing. Let's see if they can do anything about that. Question number one. Y'all probably saw this coming. Which wrestler gets some color the hard way on the next episode of NXT? Is it A, Wesley Blake? B, Buddy Murphy? C, Alexa Bliss? D, Justin Gabriel? Or E, Sami Zayn? Justin Gabriel is by far the most likely to do something dangerous. Okay. But that's in his personal life. Maybe he doesn't take as many risks in the ring. No, I've seen <laughs> Ed Lucha Underground. He takes a lot of risks in the ring, too. <laughs> but he doesn't take those kinds of risks. I don't know. Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake are doing kind of ground and pound. That kind of opens you up to more stuff that's going to hit your face. You know what? Wesley Blake. Sure. Why not? Question number two. Next episode features the in-ring debut of Finn Balor. Yum yum. Who is his opponent? 
Is it A, Tyson Kidd? B, he teams with Hideo Itami to take on Tyson Kidd and Justin Gabriel. C, CJ Parker. D, Connor. Or E, he teams with Hideo Itami to take on The Ascension. Oh, boy. Well, they didn't fight The Ascension last time. You know what? I'm going to say E because I would really like to think that The Ascension get to go out with like a louder whimper than they went out with on this one. All right. So E, he teams with Hideo Itami to take on The Ascension. And question number three. Next episode's main event is an NXT championship match between Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn. Bob, how does that match end? Mm-hmm. Is it A, despite Sammy's most courageous efforts, Neville beats him cleanly, just like he did before? B, Neville does win, but he has to cheat to do it. C, in his desperation to win, Sammy hits a big aggressive move on Neville on the outside and appears to badly injure him. While Sammy checks on his friend, the match ends in a double countout, and Neville is still the champion. D. Inside the ring, Neville misses the red arrow in that way that he does and appears to be badly hurt. When Sammy comes over to check on him, <gasps> Neville rolls Sammy up and pins him to retain the championship. Fuck. Or E. Sammy Zayn defeats Adrian Neville cleanly to win the NXT title. He definitely doesn't win yet. Okay. But. I didn't think you'd go for that one. I just like had to put it in there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course. Oh, fuck. I want the double disqualification, but I bet it's not the double disqualification. <laughs> oh, the double count out? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Double count out. That's too beautiful and too Lord of the Rings. And I clearly they're not going to let me have that. OK. As much as I want that. I love the idea of a fake out red arrow situation with a roll up. That is too delicious. So is that your answer? Yes, I need that. I need that in my life. All right. Your answer is D. Inside the ring, Neville misses the red arrow in that way he does and appears to be badly hurt. When Sammy comes over to check on him, Neville rolls Sammy up and pins him to retain the championship. Come back in two weeks to hear the answers to this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for dragging me into this world, kicking and screaming at first, but now I'm glad I'm here. I mean, you weren't fighting it that much. No, you're you, right, I wasn't. It was some perfunctory kicking and some <laughs> mild screaming. Performative <laughs> kicking and screaming. I was really phoning it in. Oh, well, thank you also to our patrons, everybody who uh, goes over to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and gives us a little bit of money to help us produce the show. Really appreciate your support, as always, and definitely have to give you this update, Bob, on the Next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship situation. Dang, this thing's turning into a real hot potato. I wish that I could explain to you how this one happened. Okay. But unfortunately, I really can't. I myself am still investigating what exactly is going on here. I have a feeling that it has something to do with all that weird time travel bullshit that happened back during the trios tournament. Oh. But... Between now and our last episode, you know, sort of like a, one of those waves of time travel changes swept over the entire promotion and everything is different now. Oh, dear. 
So, again, still investigating, still got to figure out exactly what happened here, but I can tell you that in this uh, reality, in, in this timeline of the next Wrestling Fan Federation, the reigning champion is Charles Recon. Okay. Does he have a little goatee? So, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you ask that, Bob. He seems a little bit different than the Charles Recon we know and love. Oh. Like I said, I don't know the details yet, but like, he just seemed a little bit twitchy and, you know, slightly more evil, maybe, than he did before, so. Okay, if he's got a goatee, all you have to do is shave it off and then he's good again. That's how that works. I mean, good luck getting next to the next wrestling fan federation champion with the razor bob i don't know if that's going to happen in the timeline where this new charles recon seems to be controlling things i'm gonna have to come back to y'all with updates about what's actually happening here possibly on our next episode but for now congratulations to charles recon for possibly (laughs) rewriting the time stream charles recon asterisk Thank you to Eric McNaughton for upping your pledge. Yes, thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you to everybody who listens to the show. Even if you can't become a patron right now, we completely understand. We love you just as much as anyone else and appreciate what you bring to the show as our audience. Thank you so much. And I think Bob has some (laughs) new stuff to rain down (laughs) upon you as a reward for your faithful listenership. Yeah, I mean, you know, this hard choices corner, you know, because I'm not going to fucking make any goddamn social media for this show. Where else are you going to hear hard choices advertised? Nowhere. Nowhere. That's nowhere. Where. That's I specifically designed the show that way. <laughs> secret. You got to know about it. You have to knock on a secret door. Yeah. Is the door shaped like a boner? Yes, it is. Right. Okay. So on the Patreon feed right now is a new thing called Sue Storm Has Needs. It is part of the Blank Has Needs family that I am going to slowly be producing over time. But if you've ever wanted to hear people air their deepest, most dearly held ship feelings about a specific character, this is the show for you. Now, it is not competitive. I want to make that real fucking clear. (laughs) This show is about sharing your feelings, not sharing your like arguments so if you want to hear me take a stand in the name of the worst fucking ideas ever (laughs) this show is for you and it's fun it's sweet it's cute it's hilarious and then also if you want to get early access to perhaps the most demented episode of hard choices we have yet produced Hmm. it will be out by the time you hear this So will it really truly it will. Yes. On the feed, on the feed, on the Patreon feed, not to the masses yet. Not for the masses, but on the Patreon feed. Oh, my God. I might have to go become a patron. And so if you would like that, if you would like to hear how we think Nick Cage fucks in every iteration that we can get our grubby, filthy little hands on. How we think Nick Cage characters fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean. Is there a difference, Miles? I submit to you that there may not be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we can know that. That's fair. I would never presume. Cage Miss in July is coming, and it's coming hard. So Mm -hmm. I urge you to wander over to the Hard Choices Patreon and join up. There's some really low-level ones that you can get in on, and there's some 
plenty of weird shit on the feed for bonus content. And I'm always making more bonus content, slow though it is. But I am always making more good shit. So yeah. if you want to go over there and, I don't know, roll around in the filth with us. It's nasty. Have fun. <laughs> it is nasty, but in the best possible way. You know it. I can vouch for that. So go check that out, y'all. Hard choices. You are like the secret cabal of people on the internet who know about this podcast. So <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I strongly advise you go and check it out. And I think that's all we got right now. Thank you once again to Lucas Brown for editing this episode. 100%. You're a lifesaver. We love you so much. We do. The Patreon money is basically now going to paying you. So if you are curious as to whether or not you want to chip in, that's basically where it goes now is to pay Lucas. Yeah. All you have to do, go to Lucas's Twitter feed. Yes. Look at all the cute stuff that Lucas tweets about and then go... Don't you want to give him five bucks? Who doesn't? You definitely do. I guarantee it. You do. His tweets about his kid are the best. For that reason, and also many other reasons, I have not made very many tweets about my kid, because I just know they won't measure up. I can't be that funny online. I know. Hero's amazing. (laughs) Go follow Lucas at Locified. It's amazing. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Lucas, if any of this part of this conversation seems weird to you, cut it the fuck out, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Yeah! The NXT Wrestling Fan is produced by Lucas Brown, with logo design by Claire Mulcarin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for his theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. We're on Twitter and Facebook at the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.